Hello and welcome to Getting to Grow, the podcast dedicated to unearthing the stories behind some of the best brands in the food and wellness space, hosted by me, Sam, and me, Zoe. Each episode we chat to founders, experts and industry professionals who each have their own personal journeys. We discover how they built their business, what's next and everything in between. This episode we chatted to Henry, co-founder of Misfits, a fast-growing UK plant-based health and wellness company. We spoke about the gap that they saw in the market and how they adapted to become the brand that they are today. So, hi Henry. Thanks so much for joining us on the Getting to Grow podcast. Super excited to have you as a guest. So, yeah, we'll get straight into it. Do you want to just tell us who you are and I guess how you, you know, what you did at uni and that kind of thing and then and then to kind of how, I guess, the beginning of Misfits. Sure. Um, yeah, also super excited to be here uh, on a pretty manic Friday. Makes for a nice change to sort of take an hour out and, yeah, talk about talk about misfits and... Um, and yourself, because everyone does like to talk about themselves. <laughs> it's kind of like, a, I always think these kind of like therapy sessions. But um, yeah. no, so I, I guess rewinding the clock. So yeah, my name's Henry, um, Managing Director at Misfits Health. Uh, we are a plant-powered health brand. Our mission is to make health inclusive. We all share uh, in health. We all try to be healthier. And, you know, we create products that are the little steps that help to, um, you know, lead to those big wins and ultimately create a, an easier an easier platform to, uh, to lead a healthier lifestyle. Um, and I guess rewinding the clock, clock back a bit, uh, went to uni, studied economics, didn't have a massive desire to be a, 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 an entrepreneur, much less a food entrepreneur. Um, always loved cars went into the car industry for a few years. Oh, you'll get on well then, because Sam is a literal, a petrol head as well. Yeah, so yeah, we could probably, we could probably spend the next hour just talking about cars, but yeah, your food and bed listeners will, will want that. But I, yeah, I went, went to Aston Martin for a few years, learned a lot about, you know, sort of procurement, supply chain, material planning, the sort of commercial side behind a business. And it really opened my eyes up to uh, that sort of side of things. And I just found it fascinating, the sort of way that the business just sort of put these pieces of the puzzle together to create the product and actually how much of, of, of the end product was, was outsourced and reliant on different parties and, and uh, almost you know, project managing to, to bring it all together. And just sort of showed that actually to bring a product to market, you don't necessarily need to be the one making it or, or doing it. You, you just need to know know the right people to, to do it. And so I, I, I was there for two, three years, learned a lot. Um, and it was actually based in the Midlands and Warwick. Um, and being a Londoner, wanted to get back to London. Was always really into health and fitness. Um, followed a few of the, the big brands. I guess in terms of timelines for context, this was probably uh, 20, mid, mid summer 16. So about, about yeah, four and a half, five years ago now that I, I left to come back to London and really wanted to get into health and fitness space. I thought, you know, in hindsight, it seems an obvious thing, but I thought that this industry is only getting bigger. It's going more mass market, you know, coming back to, to what Misfit stands for. It's all about inclusive health. And I think there is definitely this acknowledgement and nod from consumers that uh, health is, is super important and we are increasingly proactively 
trying to improve our health rather than uh, waiting to get ill and then sort of reacting to it and actually yeah I think that's so true yeah this this nod to sort of what you put in your body does equate to you know what you get out of your body um, and it's not just that superficial look that the old sort of exclusive brands used to talk about so that was the kind of hypothesis that this this industry is is getting bigger and it's it's appealing to a to a broader demographic. Uh, so me, along with um, my my sort of lifelong friend Jacob um, and Tara, who um, joined this joined the journey a, sort of a few months in, us three set about creating. Uh, I guess I call it the original misfits, the sort of version one. Uh, attempt at building a business at 24 and getting a lot wrong. Uh, we sort of, you know, created a brand that was very female focused, um, very simple product. And it was a steep learning curve of, you know, businesses aren't built overnight. And if your friends are friends, you know, buy it. That doesn't mean it's going to, you know, you just think, oh, my friend's going to buy it. Then my friend's friend will buy it. And then all of a sudden the whole world's going to be buying it. And this was the, sort of the, the, the naive mindset. And I wouldn't, you know, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing because the original Misfits taught us a lot about how to run a business. It also did enough to give us the traction and justification to put pen to paper and say, okay, there's a hell of a lot wrong here, but we still believe in this inclusive health mission. How can we get things right? And so we launched the original Misfits Jan 2017. Couple was years. it that long ago? Gosh, it seems like yesterday that we that I literally went to all those. Like I was fresh out of uni. I used to travel up from Bournemouth where I was at uni and go to all like balance and like women's health and like all these kind of and be fit like all these events that I went to where I met where I met Molly um it just seems like god that was such a long time ago it really was but that was so it was yeah Jan 2017 it was very much me Jake and Tara for the first first couple years and then um Molly was Molly joined us yeah. late 18 at that point I think we sort of had all acknowledged that this business was not going to succeed at its current trajectory um, and we we reacted really well I think you know we weren't sort of so emotionally attached that this is the business we need to make it work I think we acknowledged that a gender focused protein only brand that was all sort of orange and purple wasn't gonna you know one you know keep us as founders interested enough to, to stay focused and, and push it and to engage with the customers and so we spent pretty much, I'd say, September 18, summer summer 2018 through to, for the next 18 months, building what, you know, what is now Misfits Health and a brand that I couldn't be prouder of. Um, and that launched officially uh, late December 2019. So what, about 15, 16 months ago, barely. So, and it really is for all intents and purposes, a completely different business, uh, new name, Although it doesn't sound new name, we dropped an S, which <laughs> was a big thing. Um, and ultimately, we we pivoted the brand to uh, a, a much more holistic health, plant-based, focused, uh, inclusive health narrative. Um, it was thematic, sort of says what it does on the tin kind of branding. So sort of um, 
immunity boost, full speed ahead, all that, all that kind of thing. If you've seen the packaging, yeah, I've actually got the sleep sleepy ones upstairs. Okay, great. Yeah, sweet dreams. I use them every yeah every so every now and then when I'm sort of struggling to drift off, thinking about protein bars and stuff. But but yeah, so that that's kind of in a in a very quick nutshell. Um, really wanted to start something in health and fitness. Launched Misfits naively, got a lot wrong, but ultimately pivoted, launched launched Misfits 2.0 uh, about 14, 15 months ago and never looked back really. It's It's been an absolutely mental journey. Um, I think COVID is one variable of that, but but ultimately, you know, it's, it's, this business has never really operated outside of COVID in a normal world. Um, and, and the three main touch points, e-commerce, health, and plant-based and, and all those three sort of macro trends are, are speaking to customers and, and I think ultimately that's why um, the business is is getting the the seeing the demand it is um, for now so that that was sort of up to present day I guess a bit of a, a whirlwind tour what what strikes me is when the biggest change because I, I actually listened to another podcast that you did and you were explaining how the biggest what, what I understood to be the biggest shift when you did your kind of rebrand repositioning was the move to become a vegan based plant based was that was that always the plan or was it kind of something you really thought about because I guess you know on the face of it, it it's something that you know, all companies or a lot of companies will aspire to be, you know, becoming more sustainable. But I guess in reality, that shook up a lot of your, you know, how you make products, what they're made of, how you get them to customers, it makes everything more expensive. And it's, you know, that's a complete shift in from what you were doing before. So, you know, how was it a conscious thing? And did you have to, was it complicated? How did you kind of go about uh, pivoting to become a plant-based brand? Sure. So yes, it was a, a very much a, a conscious decision. Uh, I think by trying to do everything uh, as a company, you can often do nothing. And so for us, it was very important to, to be the plant-powered health brand. Uh, and that's our promise and commitment to, to our customers. We will always champion and innovate around plant-based products. And there's so much to go after. We don't feel like we're missing out by not launching a dairy protein or a dairy protein bar or, or whatever it might be or using you know fish oils or there's just the the innovation in this space is just mega and that's credit to the supply chain and the raw ingredient suppliers and and, and all, all the sort of r&d that goes into that and we as the sort of puzzle that you know to bring it together uh you know get to benefit from those amazing, amazing ingredients. And ultimately the end customer gets to benefit because often in the last sort of five, 10 years is this trend towards, and I say trend, I think it's now actually ingrained in society, this movement towards uh, a more plant-based sustainable uh, eating uh, lifestyle. Uh, as, as people have evolved to that, there used to be this kind of expectation of like, okay, I'll go vegan, but, I'm going to be eating crap food. It's going to be bland. It's going to be dry. If I, you know, if if ever I go for the vegan alternative, it's never as good as the the, the dairy or the meat alternative, meat option that, that's there in front of me. It's often more expensive. And actually, the last, I'd certainly say the last two three years in particular, that that's completely changed. 
Uh, and now I think people are coming around to the fact and expectations are high from customers that if they're not going to have their dairy bar and they're going to make a swap to the vegan uh, alternative, it better taste as good, if not better. And it better be neutral. And, and that's, that's a big task. Um, and, you know, that's why I love to see competitors in the, in the space, you know, championing the plant-based narrative and doing the same thing because it just means that, you know, the demand is there, the product innovation is there to serve the demand. So, so yeah, um, love the fact that, that we are championing that. Um, you know, I'm very conscious that we're not this sort of preachy, eat vegan or, you know, you can't, you can't sit with us kind of vibe. It's just, just not, not like that at all. As a brand, we try and be super inclusive. Um, I think sort of only about 15 to 20% of our customers are actually self-proclaimed vegans. Uh, the majority is just trying to find that balance. I know me personally, I don't, I'm not vegan. I just, uh, with all my sort of uh, supplements and snacks, I try and avoid um, dairy or meat. So I will always go for the more plant-based alternative. And that's why, you know, I'm the biggest consumer of my products as well, because, because they, they, fit, they fit my needs and so many others. So yeah, um, very, very conscious decision and, and very pleased we went that route. I guess the other thing for me, which is sort of a similar question, but previously you were obviously focused primarily on females or totally on the female market. It, now it's obviously it's more about you know the bigger picture and it's you know it's neutral as you were but have you has it been hard to kind of change that narrative around your brand to make it more inclusive for men you know as a man myself <laughs> um i you know i guess i would often associate supplements specifically to you know big gym guys you know those sort of big global brands and you know that sponsor rugby teams and know like big sort of gym bunnies and you know what i mean and it's i guess it's kind of trying to break down that stereotype and i think i've seen it over the past few years not just within supplements but just within sort of gyms and health and fitness generally it's kind of moving away from that as you said earlier aesthetic kind of for men especially let's get huge and it's like bodybuilding yeah and kind of a move more towards you know let's actually be healthy rather than look healthy so I guess the question for you is, you know, how do you, you know, change, how did you change your brand to appeal to men specifically, not just women? So I think, I mean, it, set, it comes back to the journey of five, six years ago, where we, we just wanted to create a brand that was more inclusive. Now, at the time, men, as you say, were, were just the completely dominating the market. So we were like, okay, to make people feel more inclusive, let's go to the female end of the spectrum. And, and whilst it worked, it, it did isolate a whole demographic, the arguably the, the leading part of the market at the time. Um, and also we wanted to be inclusive and almost by trying to be so inclusive to one, we were being exclusive to another and it just went, it went, it went against our, our morals and our beliefs of building you know, the, the inclusive plant-powered health brand. So it was, it was a very sort of uh, easy choice to make the switch. The hard bit, as you point out, was, I guess, executing it. Um, now, I guess what, what worked to our favor was that, you know, we'd been going for about two and a half, three years, and we weren't particularly big. So whilst, you know, our, our numbers had grown and we were in X amount of stores, you don't realize how small you are until 
you know, you zoom out and see the rest of the world. And even now, even now we're sort of 15, 20 times bigger than we ever were with the previous, you know, it's all relative. There's still so many people who haven't heard of you and so many, so many first impressions you get to make. So um, there was kind of two journeys. One for the, for the sort of legacy misfits customer of old, how can we get as many of them to transition with the brand? And that was actually quite an easy narrative. It was basically saying, you know, we're going more inclusive. This, we're giving you more product offering, better quality products. Uh, so, so that was um, a relatively sort of straightforward journey. And then, and then the sort of first impressions, you know, we start again, they've never seen the previous brand. And I think sometimes when I have conversations with people about, you know, who see the brand, I sometimes have this sort of almost like anxiety in the back of my head being like, shit, have they seen the original Misfits? And I get a bit of a bit, bit sort of anxious around it because I'm not, not overly proud of that business um, and what, what it stood for. But it is why I'm here today. So I can't, you know, I can't, can't look down on it too much. But, but yeah, there's, there's so many people out there. And I think we did a good job at, you know, trying to bring along as many people who sort of were of the progressive mindset and were up for, for seeing the new brand. But ultimately, you know, the world is our oyster and there were so many first impressions. And that, that's what we were really focused on is just really making sure this new brand um, speaks, speaks to them and, and sort of executes on what we're, what we're trying to achieve, which I think it, it did a much better job at, job at than, than the previous brand. And I was thinking, because we work in obviously very different in similar industries, but in the same, um, obviously, sector, and I work with chilled product, which is so difficult sometimes. You know, I get really frustrated working with chilled because I'm like, gosh, if they, I, I was working at like a, yeah, like for example, a product that was ambient, it could just go really easily. It, it completely changes your business model. So for us, direct consumers, so having like a, a an online website is really tough to crack because chilled is really expensive to send. Um, so, you know, our strategy was always kind of like retailer focused rather than having a website. Obviously, with you guys being ambient, um, how was yours? Like, was that kind of your plan? Were you always going to have a, was it going to be based around like a, a website and that was your fulfillment strategy? Or did you have retailers in the in the background? Kind of how, how did that come about? So I, I think if you ask anyone in the sort of consumer goods space, what channel they would love to be their biggest channel, they'd probably all say their own website. And it's for this sort of simple reasons of if you sort of have as much, you have the most amount of autonomy and control over the customer, what the customer sees and experience. Um, from a commercial point of view, you're selling direct to the customer, so you cut out the middlemen and, and their margins. Um, so it is just, it's a, it's a great experience from the seller to the consumer. So website was always going to be our favorite child to some extent. However, when we were setting out launching Misfits, you know, it launched December 19, Jan 2020, you know, in that sort of that, that period. Uh, this was pre-COVID, you know, remember, remember that world yeah. where, you know, we could, yeah, yeah. have gatherings and yeah. Um so there was definitely, uh, and our hero product, we, we know we had a sort of feeling our hero product was going to be the protein bar, which is Impulse, which is naturally sort of 
lends itself to retail. So we as a business were, were you know, our forecast, our team, it was very much, let's win the big retail accounts. Let, you know, similar to, I'm sure, the, the sort of stress and strains of your day-to-day of chasing retailers and satisfying their margin requirements and their, you know, seeing requests and, and their rate of sales and, yeah, sort of bending over backwards to meet their needs. And, and that was sort of, yeah, what we were expecting. But I'm very pleased to sort of look back and say, actually, that's, that's our smallest channel. Wow, that's fantastic. If that's your smallest channel, that's amazing. Yeah, it's our smallest by quite some way. And that's not, you know, I don't, I, I love the idea of retail and I think, you know, we will grow in it. Um, but, but website and, and Amazon to some extent are our two, two larger channels. Let, speaking about sort of misfits.health, our own website, you can't compare the, the sort of data we can have of customers standing there their buying patterns, what what they, you know, what products they want to see, what products they don't want to see, why they don't buy they're not buying this or why they are buying this. And it's, you know, without the customer, we're nothing. And to be able to have that direct line of communication with the customer is underestimated. You know, when we when we you know sell in retail, we've got no idea who's picking up the bar in Sainsbury's. You know, unless you know, and there's lots of data out there where these sort of middlemen try and sell you data for thousands and thousands of pounds and they promise you, you know, they were going to tell you everything about the customer, but it's not really, you know, you can't compare to, to, to you know, our own website and we use Shopify, you know, like, like many brands. Um, but yeah, very, very fortunate that the website is our, is our biggest, biggest channel and um, I think whilst it's you know good for us, I think it's also convenient for the customer. They get a much better price than buying. You know, we get to we get to give them a good price um, rather than having to work with retailers and 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 those sort of middlemen. So it's an amazing position to be, um, and and yeah, hopefully we can continue to to deliver like new and exciting and innovative products. That's that's ultimate. Our mission is is you know to be a health brand. You need to deliver holistic health product options and um that doesn't happen overnight but this is not a one two three year plan this is a five ten year plan to to be the the, the champion of, of plant-powered holistic health so yeah a lot a lot more in the pipeline in terms of product so i guess that kind of leads us on to our next question then so obviously it started with you jacob and um and tara what does the how, how much has the team grown? What does it look like now? Um, and what is, yeah, I guess what's, what is in, what is in line for the future? So the team's grown significantly. We launched as a four, um, the three you mentioned and, and, and Molly, and we're now, I think we're about 16. That's so, that's so cool. So it, it's grown and with it comes, you know, increased responsibility and new new sort of um challenges and i guess sort of always found it funny you know being like you know managing director of a business yeah. you know basically four people of which three were the founders and it's like it, you know it doesn't doesn't really mean anything you know i was i was always, I was always product and ops and you know we were always as founders very good at having different skill sets and matching our strengths and weaknesses and and we always we always worked to that but now, yeah, gone from four to 16, I've met probably 60, 70% of the team in person. So still, still to meet 
uh, a few people. Um, but it's it's a weird one in this in this environment because you know I still don't feel like we've ever had a team in the office because we've just always had a virtual team. So I'm very excited for you know hopefully in three four five months whenever it allows to to get people back in the office. Actually, and- yeah. Before you finish the question on what's in it, what's like next? Let's talk about COVID. So how has COVID like thrown has it thrown you off? How has it affected Miss um, Hits? I think. It's difficult to say, I get asked this question a lot and it's because we launched in two months before COVID hit, it's difficult to say where we would be with or without it. Uh, I think, you know, objectively, our brick and mortar channels would be doing more, uh, doing more bits, maybe is the saying, than, than they are now uh, because gyms are closed, offices are vacant and retail footfall is down so, and travel's non-existent. So objectively, that channel has suffered. But on the flip side, online is, is more than making up for, for it. And I think people still want to keep healthy. They still want to eat plant-based foods where possible. And the, the, the pandemic is sort of pushing people to buy online. So, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know is, is the honest answer. I don't know if, if we wouldn't, you know... If, online would be slightly less and offline would be slightly more who knows but I almost you know I don't want to as much as it is uncontrollable I think it's so important to try and control as many variables as you can I'm not going to have a say in when lockdown ends or when people can go on holidays or or all that kind of stuff but you know what we can control is just continue to create the best shopper experience the best products and just just be be nimble and I think that's the benefit of just having a really you know small company that just have big ambitions and just staying creative and staying nimble but um yeah very ready for a normal world on a on a personal level and on a business level very excited to to meet the team in person have socials together rather than you know zoom quizzes which getting you know reaching the end of yeah, so very excited for, for all that and just seeing the team bond and get to know each other on a on a more, you know, on a deeper level than just, you know, a Zoom meeting here and there. So, um, yeah. You met, you mentioned your role specifically as an MD. Um, now, I know from speaking to other founders that being an MD or a founder doesn't mean you're, you sit in a swanky office as a, you know, top of the tree, kind of telling everyone what to do. I guess you kind of need to get your hands dirty. So what does, what does a, I know no day is the same, but a typical day to day, I imagine it's just completely varied for you, right? Yeah. So I guess over the, the past sort of 50 months as the business has grown, I've, I've sort of evolved from essentially operations and product to uh, more of an MD as the team has grown and, and team and strategy and, and hiring and, you know, uh, managing people's uh, personal development, et cetera, has become a bigger, bigger priority. So yeah, no, no days are the same. I think I'm in the process of sort of finding, building out the ops and product team. So got an amazing product person recently, handing that over. We'll do the same for ops in the next few months. So, but you know, it's, it's finance strategy and team. Those, those are the three main things. I can't stress enough. I feel like there is this sort of, there's often this over, I don't know the word, 
too much credit can be given to founders sometimes. I think founders are just, they're just there at the beginning, right? And credit to them, they've sort of kick-started and been the catalyst. But it, it just comes down to team. And, you know, the last 12 months where we've gone from four to 16, that's never been more present. Uh, some of the, the people we've hired um, are just, just phenomenal. And they love the business as much as we do. And, and they, you know, they have, you know, share in the same, same journey. And, and it's amazing to be able to, to share the journey with other people. So I guess, yeah, moving on to kind of the future, I guess is a kind of broad topic, but I guess a few things for me, it's kind of what's next for Misfits as a, as a brand, as a company, where do you see your growth? You know, I think speaking from a lot to a lot of other founders, it's, you know, I guess the logical thing is, is there's sort of two streams. So there's product and innovation, and then there's kind of geographical expansion, which I know a lot of founders are very keen to do and almost too keen and kind of do it at the wrong times. So I guess is those two kind of you aligned in those two things being where you see your future. And then I guess also what's the future for plant-based, you know, and sort of the industry in general. So the future for Misfits, I guess, does align with what you were saying, more product, more territory. Uh, I think it is quite a, yeah, quite a vanilla response, but in order to grow, you need to, you need to grow the amount of people you are, you are um, potentially marketing to. And that comes, you know, the UK is, is limited in its, you know, 60, 70 million people in the UK, of which how many people are in this age range and, you know, health conscious, et cetera. Whereas territories like the US, um, obviously far greater in terms of population um, and, you know, arguably a little bit further ahead of that health curve and a little bit more conscious. And, and education is a big, big part of that. And as a brand, we, we always try and, educate the customer on you know our products and how they help and be honest and and yeah so definitely definitely looking at um the us uh we've sort of soft launched there about four or five months ago and and we're we're i guess hard launching we're, we're launching a warehouse there in in four weeks time so that's another one of our yeah big projects so that's that's going to be exciting um, to, to which really, part of the US is it kind of more west coast or I think naturally so the four the four or five main states are like New York California Florida Texas that seems to be the the sort of four states which are kind of first movers first adopters in certainly in the health space but it, you know I look I actually looked at the heat map of where we sell in the US a couple of days ago and it's I think we've sold to like 70 80 of the states so um, done it, you know, very good start. So very excited about launching the US. And then, yeah, coming back to products, you know, right now I think a lot of people know us for the pro for the protein bar products. We're incredibly proud of, um, and we'll continue. They to are delicious. They are, I, yeah. Sort of limiting myself to three a day. It's they're <laughs> dangerously addictive. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's not a bad thing. They're a phenomenal product, and we are we've got some ridiculously good flavors and variations and formats coming out in the next few months. We're launching Speculos this very weekend. Um, so, so, you know, that's, that's exciting to, to see how that goes. And, um, but, but I think more excitingly is, is, you know, how do we transition from 
you know, just predominantly a protein bar, but also into this holistic health narrative and touch on all these different need states from sleep, defense, body, mind, gut, etc. So we're just working on that um, and have a lot of, a lot of uh, exciting innovation in the pipeline to come. Um, and I think, you know, the cool thing about our brand and, and being online focused is it, it allows for an environment where we do quick, limited edition drops. Yeah. They work, we double down and we restock in a couple months. If they don't, we learn and we move on. Yeah. Uh, and that's mm. kind of our, our approach. And that's, that's what's going to allow us to, to roll out loads of, loads of MPD um, that pushes the boundaries and learn about our customer. And, and you know, our, our aim is sort of, you know, by this time next year, I don't want to be going a week without, you know, a new product or a new flavor or restock or something to, to keep, you know, I think customers today, they just, they expect a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of innovation, service, and it's because of, I guess it's partly because of the likes of Amazon and, and, and you know, places like that where, you can almost get same day delivery and it's like that instant gratification that consumers like just expect like if they can't get it for free delivery and next day they're kind of like meh whatever even same day now yeah like same day it's just nuts but it's just you know it's it's exciting but the rate of growth is 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 seriously aggressive and you know we're, we're sort of really really pushing pushing uh yeah, pushing the boundaries and yeah, not 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 resting on our laurels. So continue to to innovate and broaden our our reach, and um, yeah, hopefully hopefully it'll be well received. One one thing I didn't ask about, which I meant to in the in the earlier stage of this, is around investment and and kind of funding. And because we spoke to uh, Zoe's boss James the other day, and it was really interesting to hear him because you know he comes from a he he built goo sold it for a lot of money but he had money to begin with and he had investment and you know he went through that route i guess i mean i think increasingly now it's it's easier to start a consumer goods brand especially within food um without having that investment but his point was you know to kind of create anything that is really going to have significant growth you need investment and I was just wondering what your approach to that was in the beginning and kind of how you navigated that. Yeah, I think there's, there's so many variables to take into account, you know, how quickly do you want to do it? How, how big do you want to go? You know, the, the bigger you want to get and the, the quicker you want to do it, the more money you're going to need. So that money's got to come from somewhere. Uh, for us, I, I think launching a consumer goods brand in whatever field, you know, my experience is more health F&B style but I have friends who are in the fashion space, et cetera. And, and I think it's never been so low barrier to entry because of products like Shopify, where you can build a website for a couple of grand and services like LinkedIn, where you can just find third party manufacturers. And all of a sudden for such, you know, small upfront capital, you can, you, you can have something, you can have, uh, your first production run and a beta website, you know, for five, 10 grand. And, you know, that's not a lot of money to start a business. So, you know, in getting started, you know, you, you don't, there is, it's not massively capital intensive. However, that quickly changes, you know, when you, you know, you've got marketing costs, operation costs, you've got to warehouse your stock, 
Um, so yeah, in short, you know, if you have big ambitions and want to grow, I think at some stage, uh, especially in F&B where um, traditionally they've been, you know, it's, it's very retail focused and it's very hard to make money in retail until you see the economies of scale. Raising money has been a, a, a very sort of logical step in, in the process of building a business. Um, for us personally, we've raised money. Um, we've, we've done a family and friends round, which was very, very small. It was like, you know, let us try it. Then we did a seed round, which basically took us from the old misfits to the new misfits. Um, and then there might be another round on the, on the horizon, uh, which, you know, will be a refreshing round because it's not one that's necessarily out of necessity. It's more, um, you know, to out of choice because, you know, we are just trying to keep up with the demand and, and fuel the growth. And, you know, we don't want to sort of, yeah, not, not take on the, the capital injection and, and potentially lose out to, to other, other competitors and also not be able to deliver on the promise we've made to the to, to our customers in this, you know, sort of new and exciting product. So yeah, there's definitely a role for investment. I think some people, yeah, a bit reluctant to give away a piece of a piece of the pie, but I always think I'd rather have a, a, a you know, a, a piece of, a smaller piece of a far greater pie um, than, you know, one whole piece of a very, very small pizza. So that's, that's the way I look at it. And, you know, the other thing is, it's not just capital. If you do bring on the right investors, they can add a huge amount of value. They can care about the business as much as you. Strategic value adds, not just capital. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely a role for investment, but, but make sure it's the right kind of money from the right kind of people at the right time. And just don't rush to do it. There's sort of so many founders I know out there who, started businesses at 23 24 and just gave away massive massive amount of equity because you know back then it seemed like the right thing to do but but yeah just you know, if you if you're going with the right partner i'd argue that they probably won't take advantage of you in your naivety so just just make 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 yeah. it's the right move like a shared mission yeah you know each each business is different and how much capital it requires but yeah, in short, definitely a role, and there has been a role for us. Um, so I think we are going to kind of slowly wrap it up just because um, I know you're super busy, but we do have a quick, um, like a closing quick fire round, which we'd love to ask you. Um, so I'll do the first one. There's ham, da, 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 da. Um, so what's your favourite product that you have created to date? Definitely the, pro the plant-based protein bar. My favourite flavour being the, the OG, the caramel. Yeah, OG's good. My, I like the brownie, the chocolate brownie one. Yeah, I've got, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's our second most popular. It's up there. Yeah, it's divine. It, is. it tastes naughty, but it's not. Yeah. What is the, and you've given lots of good advice during this, but what's the one bit of advice you would give to someone wanting to start their own product or brand within sort of food, health, fitness? Uh, one piece of advice in the words of Nike just do it maybe it's not as difficult to get started as you might think and then you know if you spend all your time sort of overthinking and trying to solve everything before you started you're never going to get going you know I'm a big believer of just I, I'm much more of a doer than a thinker and just just just, just get started 
we we were having this Zoe and I were having this conversation the other day and I'm on the spectrum of thinkers and doers I'm probably more towards thinkers and she's like a massive doer and so yeah. that's probably why we actually make quite a good team but um yeah it's it's an interesting kind of paradigm that there are kind of definitely two distinct types of people but I think you know doers often are the ones that you know we are, make the money are, are entrepreneurs and kind of our founders and kind of salespeople and naturally kind of doers, right? And they get get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think just put the time in and, and think things will work out. You got you got to figure it out. You got to be open to pivot and move. Um, cash is king. You got to always have cash in the bank to to you know no no problem is insurmountable when you've got money in the bank. It makes things a lot easier. Um, and I guess just if I'm allowed one one other piece of advice is is do it with someone as you just said who complements your weaknesses you know my my co-founder jacob is the biggest thinker i know ask him to do something and he, he runs a mile but you know that's where i'm on the other side of the spectrum i'm sort of spending all my time doing he's thinking and then you know often now we sort of having worked together for so long we you know sort of meet in the middle and know, know how each other work but but yeah it's definitely what doing it with someone is 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 a fun experience yeah and what are your favorite food brands at the moment out there fmcg small large medium sure um oof. there's a lot there's a you know i think this comes back to sort of low barriers to entry there's a there's a lot of brands out there um probably have you know coconut collab you know goes without saying um that's up there I honestly, I don't, I don't have, uh, who do I have at the top? Do you only, do you exclusively eat Misfits bars? Not, not exclusively, but, but very much have a bias towards, <laughs> towards Misfits, yeah. as you might expect. I'm not, uh, who else is there? No, you've, you've stumped me. Don't know. I think there's, there's, there's so many cool brands out there. As you say, there's so many now. Like you walk into I don't know, Whole Foods or even, you know, your local supermarket, there are so many brands and, yeah. and kind of all doing similar things, but but different. Um, and it's kind of, I, I often get overwhelmed and it's like you go to buy like a drink or a chocolate bar and you're like, well, I, I don't know. You know, they all look, they all look really good. I don't yeah. know which one yeah. to choose. There's definitely a lot of choice. I think my favourite product right now is hard seltzer. That's, yeah, one that I find myself drinking a lot less beer and a lot more hard seltzer. Um, so that's kind of a product, and then I guess White Claw are one of the biggest players in that. But actually, I don't love the taste of White Claws. Copperberg do a very good one, but but yeah, that that's I guess that's not such a small business. But the um, mm, yeah, yeah the product innovation in that space of so just sort of canned alcoholic drinks, I think is is. Yeah, something that is going to show up a lot in summer picnics if we're allowed them. Yeah. I feel like alcohol as an industry is one that's changing the most out of like, because, you know, you've obviously got non, non-alcoholic non and then you've got the innovation and kind of different new products within alcohol itself, like hard cells. So if there are any, we're actually interviewing uh, a non-alcoholic brand uh, at some point soon soon come. Uh, and if there are any hard seltzer brands out there that want to have a chat with us, <laughs> then... Uh, yeah. Get on the podcast um, freebies if there's any anyone to send yeah <laughs> send henry some pre-drinks yeah 
<laughs> I think it also speaks to that movement of just the new generation of just being a little bit yeah. conscious about how much alcohol they consume, how many calories come from alcohol, all that kind of thing, and and genuinely want to, wanting to enjoy that alcohol experience. And I think hard seltzer is, is a yeah really cool product that I'm enjoying drinking every now and then. Cool. And then it kind of goes similar in the similar vein to the advice question. What is the one thing you wish you had known before you started the brand? Uh, the one thing, there is honestly so much I didn't know. There is still so much I do not know. You know, to get to this point, we have made countless mistakes. As you get bigger, those mistakes get more and more expensive. Um, yeah, that's another thing people always say is that everything's so expensive. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think the, the main thing is um, maybe trust. And I guess, it's, I mean, I, I kind of went into it and it's trust in it in every aspect, trusting your um, co-founders, trusting your, um, you know, eventual team, your third party manufacturers, just like building that relationship. We work with so many people, so many companies that, we worked with four years ago with the original Misfits at launch, you know, our warehouse, our manufacturers, the guys who make our, you know, board, our corrugated board boxes, like, you know, just these relationships, just they're so valuable and never. Them. So yeah. Um, you're just, I guess the thing is you're just one cog in a, in a big wheel and, and, you know, just, just, yeah trust and respect or, you know, everyone has the, the value to add around you. Well, I guess the next question is again, one that you're <laughs> going to say there's so many, but if, what would you say your kind of biggest failure was? Um, what did you learn from it? Biggest failure? I think that, yeah, the original brand of, yeah, I think I picture it now, that sort of orange misfits nutrition, <laughs> female focused protein powder, uh, definitely not like an overarching failure. It was a success in that it got us. I was going to say, because at the end of the day, you wouldn't have like had what you have now if you kind of don't do, yeah. do what you did. Absolutely. So like not, not a failure in the slightest because of, of where we are now, but at the time it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a success. Let's put it that way. So um, yeah, but, but, you know, I'd argue that nothing, it's only a failure if you don't learn and, and improve from it. So I'd like to think that we've got a lot wrong, but we've always learned from it. Um, and I think we'll continue to get a lot wrong, but as long as we learn from it, then we're doing something right. Mm. Cool. Well, that's a nice positive note to end on. Um, thanks uh, very much for your time. It's been awesome speaking to you. Um, and yeah, make sure you uh, listen out for the episode when it goes out and uh... just thanks so much for being a part of it and some really key key points that you said and um, yeah I think it's a great one that people will love to listen to great well thank you very much for having me please remember to follow subscribe and leave a review as it really supports what we do see you guys next time